Pubcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. If you ever find out that somebody has a felony, you know, have an actual conversation with them, you know, and you'll see that they're, even if they're not an awesome person, like they're still a human being. They're still, you know, somebody who's trying to take care of their family and support themselves and have a good life and just find a little bit of peace in the world. Welcome to the Liberated Healer podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your hosts, Gina and Linnea, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. My name is Gina Cavalier, and this is Liberated Healer podcast. And today we have on Dawn. And uh, she is signed with Llewellyn Publications. She has two books, Paganism on Parole, uh, Connection to the Magic All Around, which is her second book because her first book was Paganism for Prisoners. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, On. So we've been looking forward to kind of connecting and getting into your story. And when I got my batch of books available to people on your podcast, I just picked yours out right away. I mean, of course, for its uniqueness and your unique story. So can you just kind of educate everybody a little bit about who you are and what got you to these books and to the, on this journey? So this is one of those uh, situations where the journey kind of found me. Like, so if you go to the way, 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 way back, imagine it's 19 something. Uh, <laughs> and so way back then, I had my first inklings, like, I, I knew I was pagan back then because, you know, I was raised Southern Baptist and, you know, it never made sense to me. I always had all these questions, you know, like, we're made in the image of God. How come women have babies and not men? That doesn't make sense. That's weird. They didn't like that much. And during this time, so my childhood was quite tumultuous. Um, you know, there was, I grew up in a house with, with violence and a dad who had mental health issues. He had been in Vietnam and he ended up, he was incarcerated when I was very young. So, you know, as tends to happen when you have a traumatic childhood, a high ACEs score, anything like that, um, you often look for outlets, you know, and my outlet became drugs. And so throughout my 20s, all I really did was was get high and cause trouble and like put my life in the toilet. And I kept trying things, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll join the Air Force and that didn't work out and I'll go to college and that didn't work out. And I was trying to make some sort of magic out of out of the chaos that was my life. And fast forward and uh, I end up I end up in prison, crimes related to drugs, like facing a lot of years like that the gods were really with me then because what could have been 
a lot of years ended up being um, j- just a few. So this is where the story really begins, right? Because as I'm incarcerated, I found this freedom there that that I hadn't had before. When you live in addiction, your whole life is like finding drugs and manipulating and lying and keeping track of the lies. And where am I going to sleep tonight? And okay, how am I going to you know, stretch this $5 into 50? Like, and it's just, it, it's chaotic and it's hectic. And, and so when I got to prison, I didn't have all that. Like, it was still terrifying. Like, I'm not saying anybody should go to prison. It is not a happy place. Do not go. Yeah. But I was able to breathe. Wow. <laughs> and interesting. Yeah. And so they had me work. Like some of us, they, they took out into these fields, right? These big industrial, like pumpkin fields and tomato fields and like big farms. And that's how we like earned a wage out there. And like, I, I share this story a lot because even though I was in the unhappiest place on earth, I got to go out into those fields and I got to feel the sun shining down and the earth beneath me and feel the wind and you know occasionally I'd get to put a tomato on my sandwich you know and it was such a simple act but it reminded me of that pagan faith that I had when I was little and luckily the prison I was at had books right but none of them were for people who were incarcerated they were all like take out your athame you know circle and you're very limited in prison so when I got out, I found a high priestess. I went to my first degree initiation, then my second degree initiation, and I started teaching in the very prisons I was at. And that that moment is when my first book, Paganism for Prisoners, was born because they were being fed, you know, spiritually fed students, and they they loved it. And I wanted to reach more people. So yeah, I took the lessons I had learned and I put them into a book and I took the lessons I learned on parole and I put them into a second book and here we are. Oh, wow. I, I love that analogy that you, you know, you being in the unhappiest place on earth for yourself, but you had the, I did the visual of you just kind of, you know, of you getting that sunlight and getting recharged and seeing, getting your faith going again and seeing the hope on the other end because yeah i mean you're these souls are basically forgotten about in a way and they're soulless you know and they don't really have great systems for mental health and to recognize that you know a lot of these people were born into traumas or traumatic life and they don't sit there and re-educate them and and help them so you have to kind of find that on your own sounds like it, there is a lot of that. There's uh do what we tell you to, you know, but it, it can be very challenging. Like I had, I had sufficient support along the way. And without that, it would have been incredibly difficult because when you, when you get out on parole, you're expected to have a job, but you're also expected to make classes and pay for UAs and pay for ranks. And most people don't have a car. And so you have to take a bus and you can only meet with your parole officer but from Monday between Monday and Friday from nine to five. So, you know, oh, sorry, boss, I have to take Mondays off, you know, once a month. Oh, and I have to take Wednesdays off too, because I have UAs. And it's, it's a, it's a system that's not designed for people to pass through. It's a revolving door for a reason. It's a lot easier to go back to prison than it is 
to rebuild your life and learn to do something new. It's set up for failure a lot of times. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some things that are starting to change, but it's a very bureaucratic system and it's going very slowly. And in your book, you mentioned that 20% of incarcerated population is in there for drug-related offenses. And I bet you that's increasing with fentanyl because that's such a like a, a crazy wave of what that's happening to people and it's so addictive. So, that, you know, this is going to be happening to a lot of our youth and a lot of, you know, the people that we love and support. And, you know, this is an addiction and a disease and stuff. So I would love to see a little bit more <laughs> programs but I'm glad you were able to find something for yourself. And then I'm sure in prison, the people around you, did you tell other people or get other people involved? Or is this just something you were kind of doing solo? Do do you mean the book? Yeah. So there's a, a woman, her name is, was, she recently passed, but her name was Cara Dwin and her and Martin used to come and do pagan prison ministry in Colorado. They would go to the prisons in the state every month. And, you know, no matter what a person's faith or denomination was, they would read cards for them or they would counsel them. Um, They held space for me when my own grandmother died when I was incarcerated. So they really, even though he had already passed when I started writing the book, they both gave me a lot of support and a lot of encouragement. And what I also like about it is like you also mentioned this is that you're giving another flavor of a faith, a potential faith, because maybe Christianity or uh, Catholicism or the different, you know, this is another faith that should be represented and see what works for people. But because they just need, you know, is spirituality just helps you probably out of this prison situation that you're in, you know, you need hope. And a, a lot of times spirituality, hope, you know, they kind of come together, right? Yeah. And there's something called the Bible mile or the book of shadows mile. And it's this term, people will be very, um, very spiritual when they're in prison, you know, a lot of foxhole prayers, a promise I'll never do it again. Some even start looking for genuine faith in there because, you know, you have a lot of time to think and reflect. The problem is, is a lot of time, not all the time, but a lot of times people leave and they leave their face in prison. And they just go right back to the same things. And I, but it, it is like any sort of faith. Like, I, you know, I like to think that somebody who's Christian or Buddhist or Muslim or atheist, you know, can get something out of my books because it, it's not about being pagan. It's about taking on that personal responsibility for changing your life. I, and that's what the books are really about because you can sit there and say, I promise I'll never do it again. But if you reach out to the same people and you do the same things and, you know, you make no active effort to change your life, nothing's going to change. Like it, you have to put the work behind it. And that's one of the basic tenets of magic is you can do all the spells you want, but unless you're doing the action with it, it it's not going to come to fruition. So exactly. And so in your book, from what I can tell is, uh, you know, you list all these different other ways that can help a person. So for example, you, you mentioned not everyone is worth keeping in your life and, uh, trauma persons are, you know, have a lot of codependence. And so I really, I kind of resonated with that because you're already at a loss. So sometimes maybe 
you're afraid to lose that person that's really not good for you. And they're the ones that kind of like poke those buttons that, that make you go down the wrong paths and things like that. So that was one thing I noticed that you were, you know, explaining to people those hard conversations. You talked about 12 step programs, you talk, you know, you kind of give the whole ball of wax. So it's almost like you gave them the opportunity, like they don't even have to do all the super digging like you did. They can just kind of use your book as like a little guidebook and see what fits them. Yeah. And they'll at least have a starting point when they're done. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's really all it is. Like my goal is not to take people by the hand and make them change because I'm not that powerful and I don't have that much time, but to provide resources, like maybe you go to a resource that one doesn't work. Okay. I'll try another one. Okay. That one didn't work. Oh, but look, this one, this one worked. And if even one resource works and that person gets to improve their life even a little bit, like think about the ripples of that. Think about the ripple effect. If, you know, somebody gets out of prison and, you know, they reunite with their children and they become that loving parent and that kind parent. And, you know, they, they learn the skills and they don't have to do it perfectly, you know, but they at least, you know, make that effort. And then the cycle gets to break, you know, because if, if, if we don't break the cycle, it's just going to keep going. And I think we've mentioned this early on, but, you know, we can't forget about these people. And I think a lot of times they're just really forgotten about. That's one reason why I said I wanted to talk to you because it's not something that I've ever really had a conversation about, you know, and it's not in my daily mind, but in reality, so it's easy just to kind of, they're put away and forget about them, but everybody has their own story. And, you know, as we elevate the whole world, we have to, we can't forget any group of people that need support. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing to remember is you might not know somebody you've interacted with has been to prison, but like most of us get out, you know, we're you know, taking your money when you get your coffee, we're, you know, working on your cars, we're, we're writing books, we're out exploring the world. Like I am fortunate to know people who have also gotten past their own trauma and they're doing amazing things. Like they run companies, they own businesses and you would never know because what, what do we think? We think people with felonies have like, you know, face tattoos and they've murdered 83 people. And, um, I've actually seen some statistics that say that up to like 80% of people are in for crimes related to drugs. So maybe they were stealing to feed their drug habit or things of that nature. And what we need to understand is like, you've met felons. You have. It's just not the first thing we tell people like, hi, how are you? I've been to prison. You know, like that's that's a conversation we yeah, we shouldn't ever be expected to have. Yeah. You know, I it it should really be like, okay, I got out, I did my time, what can I do? But um a lot of the deck is stacked. Like a lot of housing applications will run a background check and won't rent to you if you're a felon. And like that limits options. Like where are you supposed to live? And not even like the, you know, two thousand dollars a month for a studio places, like regular places you know, will discriminate against people with felonies. And, you know, all, at least all I want, and and I think this is what a lot of people, when they get out of prison, want, we just, we just want our lives back. We just want our lives back. And, and 
the system doesn't make it easy and society doesn't make it easy. Yeah. I mean, you probably get, you know, what about background checks when you work and all that stuff too, right? So yeah. You just want so to, you want to pay your bills, want to rebuild your family. And it's like, like you said, you don't have money, you don't have vehicles, you have all these appointments. So yeah, it's, it's stacked against you. Definitely. Yeah. Colorado is actually one of the states, they did what's called the ban the box initiative. So an employer can no longer ask you if you've had a felony on a job application. They can still run a background check. They can still ask you during the interview, but it at least gets you in the door. So it, it's a small step because a lot of times what have, oh, you're a felon. Sorry, not even going to give you a chance. Yeah. You and, your deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter how good you are, how qualified you are. You know, if they see that it's an automatic no. And so people end up working at, you know, retail and fast food and, and things that are, that, that there's still jobs and they still deserve respect, but they don't pay as much, you know, and, uh, you know, there's bills to pay and restitution and children and UAs and all these other things. And it becomes a really vicious cycle. Did you start writing this book in, in prison or just take yep. notes or you did it as soon as you got out? No. So I've actually been out for over a decade. Okay. So it's, I started writing this when I started doing my volunteer work. So I'd been out of prison for a couple of years. I, and by then I had taken, you know, first and second degree classes. And it, when I started volunteering in the prisons, that's when I really started formulating the book. Like I tinkered with the idea before, like, oh, this should really be a book. Oh, yeah, somebody should write that. But when I went into the prisons, that's when I was like, you know what? This needs to be a book. And fortunately, Llewellyn took a chance, you know, because with a demographic like this, this book isn't going to, you know, sell 50 billion copies, you know, and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Because the people it, it will reach will be people who want to utilize it. And to me, that's more important. And so, you know, they, they took a chance on a book, you know, not, not like there's nothing that there's nothing with the big publishers like this. There's, you know, and as far as I know, this is the first one written by somebody who's been there. So I, that's why I like Llewellyn. I mean, they, they will take a chance and they actually have just as good as quality. They don't, they don't skip on the quality yeah. of the books on anything. So, you know, they, they don't just take a chance and then put a crappy little, they do the art, they do everything great, you know, which is just super commendable. And they've, they've been very responsive to me and anything I've asked. So I just, they're great partners and I think they're very open, you know, they're the, they're the real deal. So I always love those people over there. Cat and Marcus. Hello, Cat and Marcus. Um, <laughs> Hi, Cat Marcus. Okay. Yeah. So, oh man, so interesting. Kind of, where am I going now? <laughs> I can edit this stuff. So. <laughs> oh man. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's get back a little bit to the paganism part of it. How do you explain paganism to people? Because that's such a kind of a, people get a little wonky or confused. Like, how would you explain it? So I always, 
I'm like, first, I'm going to give you a broad definition. Okay. And then I'm going to break it down a little more. And technically, it's anything that's not Judeo-Christian. However, if you ask like people who follow a Native American spirituality or people who are Buddhist or Hindu, they, they would probably disagree with you on that. That's, that's the general answer I give. Beyond that, it's generally the, it's what people worshiped. It's how people worshiped and experienced their faith before the rise of Christianity. So mostly European, but not exclusively European because Egypt is obviously not in Europe. And like some people, especially if they have South American or Mesoamerican roots will incorporate that into their pagan spirituality. Uh, so it's important to remember that. But generally speaking, it forms in the pre-Christian European religions. Mm. And I think it's neat, though, that you're also right now getting your master's in fine arts, correct? Yes. Yeah. Creative writing. That's or amazing. Like, what a wonderful, you know, crazy journey and go back and look at that other self of yours. Yeah. Like I never would have thought when I was sitting in a prison cell, like I never thought I would have graduated college and I did. I, I never thought I would get off paper and I did. I never thought I would move to London. And yet here I am living in London, getting an MSA in creative writing. Um, it It's kind of surreal, you know, because I used to have such such small goals. You know, my goals were like, okay, I'm going to get out of prison. I'm going to hold a job for six months. That was yeah. Cool. Oh, you wow. know, and like, the, and for the time, those were the goals I needed because they were achievable. The thing is, is when I reached my goals, I didn't stop. I just made more goals. I just made bigger goals. And, you know, so somebody, when they're getting out of parole, maybe it's to get through parole. Maybe that's, that's their one goal. That's an awesome goal. You know, it doesn't have to be, take on the world kind of stuff it can be okay i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go to all my therapy sessions this week that's gonna be my goal you yeah. know i'm gonna comply with parole like that that in itself is a big one you know so so you said a term getting off paper what does that mean because <laughs> oh, oh yeah sorry no so so there's prison and then there's parole so parole is kind of like when they let you out but you're still not free yet because you you know, you have to comply with all these things, you know, check-ins and UAs and just to make sure you're ready to return to society. So that's called being on paper is, you know, the whole prison to parole. You're on paper, you're in the system, you're a number. And when you are done, then you're off paper and then you're a free person. Does everybody have to go through parole or not? No. And it's kind of a complicated thing because some people just go to their mandatory release date and it, it it's a whole thing. Most people go on parole, but not everybody. And some people go to like um, community corrections from there, which is like, which is like rehab and like, so th there's different avenues. Yeah. So without going <laughs> into the whole differences, that's kind of how it works. So would they give you time on Sundays? No, they probably do for other religions, but they did you get equal time to kind of practice the paganism? Or? So it varies by prison because I've heard of some prisons in the South, they don't even let you have books. And not just the South. I shouldn't, I shouldn't just say the South. There are some prisons all throughout the U.S. who like you can't even get books on paganism. But there's 
And then there's somewhere you can, and like they they really want anything that's going to help help the inmates. So for us, it was we had to have a group of two or more. And interestingly enough, we got to meet on the the full moons, but not the Sabbaths. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they gave us the full moon, but not the Sabbaths. We had a candle, but we weren't allowed to light it. We had like a little property box that we had. It had like a deck of tarot cards in it. It had a wand. It had a little chalice in it. So it had it had the basic stuff. And so we were allowed to, it was so long ago. I think we had to ask permission and there had to be at least two people and there had to be like a guard or a volunteer available. I think that's how it worked. So a lot of the, you have different spells that I'm looking at. I'm looking at one right now called the cord cutting spell. Mm. So are these spells that you've kind of made a little bit your own or this very, you know, standard according to paganism in general, or you've kind of added in your own flavor into these? These kind of come from, from my training. So my first, second, third degree training, but then yeah, I have kind of taken them and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And like, I'm working on a, a third book right now. That's just a book of spells. It's called 111. And those I'm just kind of like, okay, how would I do this? And that one, I'm I'm completely creating, creating the spell. So that's kind of what I tried to do in here, like cord cutting. You're going to find that in a lot of books. Yeah. And there might even be some similarities to mine, but I, I tried to make them all um, just a little different. And so that way, you know, somebody sees it in another book and they want to do that one instead. Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. Well, I, well, in energy work, I do cord cutting, but, you know, through working with guides and energy work and things like this. But I really like what you have here. You know, it just seems like it's very, you know, respectful and beautifully written and done. And it's more of a, uh, it helps, I would say, if someone's struggling kind of, removing themselves from a person that going into doing what you're doing a little bit more adds a deeper intention. You know what I mean? It's almost more of a commitment. I I would say to, you know, I want this done and you do that full. I can see how the energy works on it. Yeah. Cause you're, it's a real intention. Like this is what I want to have happen today. And so that's why I think that it, it really could help someone if they're needing help in these areas. Yeah. Well, and and I tried to keep that in mind because it is very hard, like, especially when you start talking about like parents or family or friends you've had since you were two, you know, or even identifying toxic relationships, you know, that kind of thing that the first, like anybody could be like, okay, I'm going to cut the, okay, they're cut away. That's not going to work. They're going to reattach themselves. You have to like have the intention. You have to have that all right, this is going to happen, It, you know, without a question in your mind. You have to be sure that you want it because if you just, if you go into it without your heart in it, your spells are going to reflect that. Like, you know, they're, they're, they'll work for a little while and then they'll fizzle. And what about when people say about spells and if you don't do it right, it comes back to you. There's all this like kind of fear around stuff like that. Uh, what do you say about somebody who might have fear about that? I say 
that unless you're trying to like unless you're trying to impact somebody else's free will do the spell do the spell like you know you can't make somebody fall in love with you just you can't make somebody be your friend you can't make somebody do anything but if you're doing a spell for you to have a job for your personal sanity for you to cut you know somebody out of your life that's for you you're allowed to do that and as far as doing it wrong i think that term is so funny because yes there are certain things you want to follow certain practices but at worst your spell just won't be that strong and you have to do it again yeah Yeah. i I like the way that you explain that too though there's a fine line in the sand and I mean, that's kind of where I was getting to as in, you know, you, you just stay away. You don't, you don't participate in anything that's, you know, uh, against anyone else. Like you, like you said, it's for just for your own personal, you know, forward movement and growth and things like that, that you want to bring in. So, and I like, that's what I have always wondered, you know, about how the philosophy is on that. But I, I really, that's kind of where I lie my faith in is just making sure that it doesn't affect other people so i like that to hear that and that's why i included that whole section on ethics in there because there's going to be some situations where it's a fine line like cutting somebody out of your life does have an impact on them it does but you're not responsible for that you're responsible for your own sanity so unless you're doing something intentionally malicious to that person you're fine and then you also have a lot of things in here about how to work with stones and different crystals, which is really cool. Also herbs. And so I can just imagine like what your little like altar must look like. It must be super cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a traveling altar right now because I'm I'm low on space. But yeah, you know, the chalices and I love the pageantry. Like I, I'm big on you don't need the pageantry. But that doesn't mean you can't have it and you can't enjoy it. And, um, you know, pull up the cloak and it's dark. Moons <laughs> oh, create such an ambiance. And do you feel, so I'm living in Montana now. I moved from California. So energy here is it totally different. As in, it kind of turned my life upside down in a weird way because I moved here with my uh, fiance and within six months we broke up Mm -hmm. and it, a lot of it, I kept saying to everybody, like he felt at home here and I felt like an alien here just because it was going to take me longer to process all the energy. And I'm feeling a lot better here now, but during that process, he, I just thought it was really interesting. And I think that paganism can have some reflection on this because you guys are very into the earth and the energy of where you are, right? So yeah. do, you, do you feel, what is your take on different locations, uh, you know, of energies of the locations? Do you have any experience with that? Yeah, places definitely have different energies. Like first time I came to London was a little over a year ago and I was like, oh my God, I'm home. I just, I, it just, it felt like home and places can just feel like that. And There's lots of theories, you know, why that could be. I had a reading done shortly before I I left. And the woman who read for me told me that like I had past lives here and, and not just here, like Ireland and like Denmark and a few other places. 
And so that's one theory, you know, others could be like, in my first book, I talk about magic resonance. Like if you have a guitar and you, you pluck a string, you might like that string. You might like another one better. If you move your finger down, you might like that note even more. And so like, we're not solid. Uh, our cells are constantly moving. Like we appear solid, but we're not. We're just moving energy is all we are. Yeah. And so it makes sense that you're going to feel at home in an area that matches your vibrational frequency. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you can adjust to it, but it's either like it's going to take a little bit longer or you, you might not ever feel completely like you're at home. You know? Yeah. And that's the good question is like, where do you feel at home? But I like that you felt at home in London. You know, I kind of felt that way too there. Definitely love the vibe there. Lots of history. I think, I think with a city this old, like if you believe in reincarnation, which not all pagans do, but I do. If you believe in reincarnation, you know, there, the city's been around long enough that most of us have lived here at some point. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, is there anything you'd like to kind of like wrap up and leave us with or something that you're feeling like we, you would like to share or a meditation or anything like that? Um, hmm. There's lots of things I want to share with the world. Um, I think, um, I think most poignantly though, is that we need to start changing the way that the con we need to start having conversations about about prisoners with prisoners yeah. like there's all these conversations about prisoners that like involve you know legislators and and you know people who have never actually been through the system and you know we need to start including them because they are people and they're forgotten and it's so sad that some of the most incredible artists I've ever met are in prison. And I think there's, because when you're artistically inclined, you don't always fit into society, you know? So, oh, get good grades on your math and your English. You know, a lot of artistic minds have, have a hard time with that. And I think society, we're starting to understand that a little bit. But when you have this expectation that you never seem to meet, and then you throw in some childhood trauma. It's no wonder that the incarcerated population in the United States is growing. In fact, it's it's like double or triple anywhere else in the world per, per population. It yeah. is ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. Instead of focusing on helping people get the skills that they need to better their life here, let's let's support you. You know, we give up on people before they even get out. Well, I want to bring up a friend of mine, Zach Scow, because he created a, he has a animal, uh, primarily a dog rescue up in Tehachapi, California. And he started with one prison where he would bring in like 30 dogs and he'd match them with a prisoner and they would teach the prisoner how to be a dog trainers. So they would have a skill when they got out. And then when they were going to adopt the dog out, they would do a little video with the prisoner. And I'm not even kidding you. You can't even watch those videos without them crying. You crying, and because you, you see these guys who said this dog taught me how to love. Yeah, yeah. And you know, seeing those videos and remembering that these people are just stuck in there with nothing to do and no. So now I think he has four or five different prisons, but he had to really climb the ladder and knock on a lot of doors to even get that first one. Nobody wanted it, you know. 
And, you know, but when you see these videos, when you see these humans, like completely changing shape and form and having, and I I've seen the videos on guys have gotten out now that they have giant businesses or book solid, just training animals. Yeah. You know? And super high in demand and making a good living. And, you know, so they, they, they have a skill that they can go to when they get out and things like that. So we need more programs like that, that, you know, it's all about love and you now matching it with somebody else, like a sheltered animal that has no home yet. Yeah. Trying to get the skills of making more adaptable to this person who is stuck in a home that when they get out, they're going to need some stuff. So it's, we can, we can create so many different opportunities and just, you know, remembering that these are live living souls there that we can't just abandon. And, you know, some people might have deserved that, but there's probably 98% of people that can really be rehabbed or. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I always say there are some people in a prison who absolutely deserve to be there. There are. Yeah. But it's not the majority. It's not even close to the majority. Wow. You know, that's sensationalized media. Like I knew, I, I knew women, you know, who were in there for you know, stabbing their rapist. Like, wow. It, because the, yeah, like depending on, and, and it varies so much, you know, you can be charged with a crime in, in this state or this county and, you know, get a slap on the wrist and go to this state or this county and, you know, get off so much worse. And it's really, there's a lot of discrepancy. And, and I think it's important to acknowledge that there's another, so pagans are growing a lot in prison. They're one of the fastest growing face groups. So are women. And that's something we need to think about. Because the the women's population in prisons, it has been steadily getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Wow. And so, yeah, and women have unique needs. I just want people to think about that. You know, if you ever find out that somebody has a felony, you know, have an actual conversation with them, you know, and you'll see that even if they're not an awesome person, like they're still a human being. They're still, you know, somebody who's trying to take care of their family and support themselves and have a good life and just find a little bit of peace in the world. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for providing this lovely, you know, education for, you know, prisoners and parolees and non-prisoners and parolees that want to, you know, learn about how you can get into paganism a little bit more, but also all these different areas that you talk about. I mean, it's just so much information in there. I really appreciate what you've been doing and your journeys is amazing. And you're a beautiful soul. And it was really great to spend some time with you today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm truly humbled. Like every time I'm like, oh my gosh, they want to speak to me, you know, cause <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it is. And I actually got, I, I got a letter from somebody who was incarcerated and it, it like my goal when I wrote the book was, you know, if one person, oh, wow. Yeah. One person. Actually, right. And so I got a letter. And my book has reached at least one person and there's nothing better as an author you can help for. Yeah, I agree. I mean, every time I get any kind of note, I just get all giggly and silly, you know, because yes, the passion as well is to provide all the different 
avenues and areas uh, that people can kind of decide upon their self, kind of what, what is going to speak to them and, you know, you got to provide it. So let's show your books. I want to see them. Oh, it's backwards. This is Paganism for Prisoners. And this is Paganism on Parole. This is my new one that's released. Yes, thank you. On November 8th, I will also be doing a book signing at Atlantis Books here in London on January 21st. So if anybody's in the London area and wants to come by and talk and get their books signed, I love signing books. You will not be bothering me. Totally awesome. Happy to answer questions. Thank you, Andon. So nice to meet you. Thank you, Llewellyn Publications. And we'll see you again soon. Bye Thank for you. now. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at Liberated Healer Podcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support. Podcast.